So within uh, Qigong practice, uh, people are often trying to understand where the medical benefits um, of it is, you know, as a system. And you see people talking about it in all sorts of different ways, you know. Um, so there's many places I can think of where you either go on a website or you go into a Qigong book or something like that. And there's a list of the ways Qigong help you. Um, and they'll have all sorts, when they? They'll say relaxation, that's true. Take you out of fight or flight, yeah, that's true. And um, mobilizing the lymphatic system. And then there's, you know, evidence of old people don't fall over as often. And uh, I don't know, there's loads and loads, isn't there? And then they get really obscure. And there's like, you know, we've done studies and found that the cellular rate and brain waves of theta and I don't know, it gets really confusing. I don't really understand. Uh, even after all these years in the Qigong world, when I pick up those kind of texts and I start reading them, and it's like, and the benefits and scientific usefulness of Qigong are, and then I get to that bit, and my brain just goes blah, 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 and I, I just don't take it in. Not because, um, you know, I don't think Qigong is, does all of those things. I, I believe it does. Of course it does. I've seen those benefits to many people. Um, it just doesn't interest me, really. But, the, I mean, the reason it doesn't interest me is because what I'm not so interested in is the uh, Western model of it. I mean, I'm, I'm interested enough that, you know, I think it has its place. I, I think, I think it, they sh Qigong should be studied, and I think that that's great. It's just it's not for me, you know. I think we all have our own preferences, our own strong points, our weak points. And, and for me, definitely, I'm more rooted in the, the traditional or the classical, you know. So... Um, as to why uh, Qigong actually can heal a person or help them with regards to Western scientific things, uh, with regards to your lymphatic system and things, that's just not my area, you know. What, uh, just can't be bothered. Um, and I think that, I, I think if somebody did study it that way and they were really good at it, I think that's fine. But sometimes I think the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater a little bit. So what I mean by that is people start studying the kind of Western usefulness of it. But all they study is what happens when you move your arms, you know, and when you breathe deep. That's ultimately what they're doing. So all that kind of lymphatic drainage and more efficient breathing and maybe increased circulation and, um, you know, all of those kind of things that you see, not falling over, you know, stuff like that. I think that's all right, but of course, what are they talking about? They're talking about physical movement, deep breathing and relaxation. Um, cool, great. But... Traditionally, they actually talked about the, the healing mechanisms of, of Qigong in a slightly different way, you know, and they had a traditional model, and I think that the traditional model is very, very interesting. And I just want to draw um, people's attention to it because I think it's getting lost a little bit these days. And I'm quite surprised, actually, how many Qigong practitioners I meet who've never heard um, of the sort of the reason, the rationale why Qigong could um, cure people, if you want, or, or be a health, a beneficial practice to people's health. Uh, or they're, they're not familiar with the old um, phrases. And, and one of the, the key old phrases is something called the Wu Yao, meaning the, the five medicines or the five cures. So the, the five medicines, the five cures, are ultimately like um, uh, a causation chain, if you like, um, of transformation that takes place within the body according to Qigong practice, if, if you follow in the classical guidelines. Five is always chosen as a number because uh, numbers have, um, you know, numerology has a power to it. And they're always trying to represent something with numbers, which is why you get certain numbers coming up again and again. Five, three, nine, 64, 108. They all have, um, you know, meanings behind them so that you can understand what they're talking about. And when they're talking about five, five is to do with the wuxing, the five phases. Um, it's the way within uh, Taoist traditions that things evolve and change and transform. So if you take the number four, for example, well, some people know number four means death. Um, sort of, that's one meaning of it. But the other thing number four can mean is form. So we might talk about um, three-dimensional. You know, something is 3D. The, the objects are 3D. I'm 3D. You know, whatever. <clears throat> the, but within the Taoist traditions, they would say you're 4D, if you like. They talk about the number four. And because they're talking about the four compass direction, north, east, south, west. And the idea is if something is... Um, understood according to four compass direction, it has a form as opposed to like the X, Y, Z axis of three dimensions or something. So we're talking about the number four, something has form. So if something has four, it is solid, it is static, it has like a, the illusion of completeness, I suppose. And if you have five, the next number, five are the five phases that it will go through. So, you know, most people know this as wood, fire, earth, metal, water, or growth, 
flourishing, uh, transformation, uh, contraction, and return to a point of stillness. This is ultimately what these five elements represent. So anything that is understood according to the number five is in a process of transformation, because according to Taoism, every uh, process of interaction and transformation could be classified according to the Wu Xing, meaning the five movements or the five elements, sometimes people call them. But so, don't need to know that, don't worry, I'm waffling, but basically the number five represents um, a process of transformation, you know. So the five cures, the Wu Yao, sometimes called the Xian um, Yao, like the immortal cures actually, but, but the Wu Yao, the five cures, um, are essentially a representation, because of the number five, of the process of transformation a person can go through if they practice uh, Qigong. And, and the first one you might have heard of, because the first of the five stages of the, of the five cures um, are, is, is called harmonious qi. Yeah? So that's the first thing a person should uh, try to achieve, a, a state of um, harmonious qi. So they talk about um, the qi within the body needing to be harmonized. Now for any practitioner of qigong, that doesn't sound that strange, right? That's the basis of, of what we're doing, uh, provided we're not working to a purely Western physiological model, trying to harmonize the qi of the body. Um, now, they talk about five qi must be harmonized, and you'll see lots of qigong will still talk about this, you know, um, consolidating that five again, isn't it? They always use that number because they're trying to show the qi must transform. But the five qi must consolidate, or the five qi must return to their source. The five qi are the harmonious qi of the first step of the five cures. Yeah, that's confusing, isn't it? Let's say that again. Five cures, step one, number one, is harmonious qi, which is divided again into five, meaning the five qi must be harmonious. So what are the five qi? Actually, this is where it gets confusing because um, often what's happened is qigong and Chinese medicine has been intertwined. Sometimes that's good, you know, because a lot of qigong and Chinese medicine theory matches up, um, but a lot of it doesn't, actually. And I think sometimes people have accidentally crossed things over. So one of these examples is the five qi that must be harmonized is not the qi of the organs. So it's not the qi of the... Um, the liver, the heart, the spleen, the lungs, and the kidneys. Yeah? So these are the five organs you'll sometimes see written in Qigong. So they say you've got to harmonize the five qi, meaning your heart must be balanced, your spleen must be balanced, your liver, your lungs, your kidneys. Okay, that's true. If you've got good kidneys, nice healthy heart, good spleen, and that, that's great. You know, you will be healthier. <coughs> but that's not the five qi they're talking about. They also don't mean the qi in the meridian system, the channel system, the jing law system that we talk about in Chinese medicine either. Sometimes people don't know, but actually, originally, qigong didn't really have much to do with the, with the organ channels, the lung channel, large intestine, stomach, spleen, liver, bladder, so on, so on, stomach um, channels, these 12 channels you see on the body. Um, they weren't used in qigong originally as much. So nowadays you see people go, yeah, stretch your large intestine channel and, and I don't know, open your lung channel. Is that an exercise? I don't think so, but you know what I mean. You'll see people talk about this, like um, opening these channels to move the qi. It's not true. Uh, qigong didn't work that way. And the same way as qigong didn't originally try to regulate the five qi of the five organs. Later, this was added. So now what you see is some more contemporary modern qigong does work by stretching the large intestine channel or working the small intestine channel or something like that. You do have that now, but that's like a modernism, um, largely based on stretching the sinew channels as much as anything. Um, and now you'll see qigong that does aim to harmonize the qi of the five organs. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but originally, actually, the five qi that we're talking about were the five movements of qi related to the five qing. Five qing. So the five phases, right, the wuxing. So you have wood movement of qi. Wood movement of qi is any qi that actually like suddenly rises or moves erratically or, or expands. If you think about like um, forceful plant growth, something like that, if you think of a shitty tarmac road that's all bent because the plant's coming up out of the ground and you trip over it and then pretend you didn't or whatever, but the, that kind of force of the plant coming out of the ground, that's the wood qi. So the qi that rises up. So every time you feel angry, and you feel everything cup up inside and you get all hot in the head and you want to punch somebody or something like that. This is this wood energy qi that's rising, right? So this is the first one. Then what if you've got fire? Fire is that qi that just expands all directions. If you've ever laughed or been happy, think of the spreading of the, of the body. Like everything just goes slack, doesn't it, and spreads out. This is the fire element qi, so qi that expands. Then you have earth element qi, that's qi that divides, actually starts to uh, split to create a, a transformational process. Um, then we have metal element qi, that's qi that contracts, yeah, everything that squeezes in, like your lungs <laughs> drawing everything in, you know, metal element qi. Um, and the last one is the water element qi, 
which is essentially chi that sinks down in the body or sometimes cycles. There's different ways it can move. So really, if we look at those, what do we have? Rising up, expanding, dividing, contracting, and sinking. These five movements ultimately are the five chi. Yeah, that's what they're talking about, the five chi, the five movements, prime movements of chi. Now, if you, so we're not really talking about the organs. We're not talking about the channels. We're talking about these five movements. So if your chi is like raising up too much, we can say it's too much wood energy. If your chi is um, contracting too much, they would say classically that's too much metal chi. They don't mean there's a special type of chi related to metal. They mean that it's squeezing too much. Essentially, the term metal is a metaphor, an archetypal symbol for this chi that's contracting into the middle, right? So within Qigong practice, after a while, you'll feel these movements of chi. But if you can't feel the movements of chi, you can kind of feel it in your body anyway. Every time you have one of these emotions associated with one of the elements, you feel the raising up. You feel the contracting of grief, the sinking down of the fear, and I don't know, all these things. Um, these movements, this is what you harmonize, right? So if you look at what a lot of Qigong does, it opens, okay, or it contracts, or it circles, or it divides. Like these kind of movements with the arm, what they're trying to do is get the arms to get the overall chi in the whole body to have these correct directions. And if you look at a lot of Qigong, what does it do? It has downwards movements, has opening movements, it has uh, raising movements, has pushing. Like all these movements are not designed for the channels, and they're not designed for the organs. The designs to the overall chi of the torso, the energetic fields, the quality of chi, whatever you want to talk about, actually moves out or contracts in or sinks or raises or divides. This is, these are the movements they're talking about. These are the five chi. So the first stage was to harmonize the five chi. And what would happen if you went to um, you know, a qigong practitioner who was advising you on exercises? They might look at you and they might go, you need to do more of this one. And it might be giving you an exercise that's actually exemplifying the raising of qi if you don't have enough, or the sinking of qi, much more common, if you have too much that's going up. Um, and these, uh, these patterns they were giving you were for overall qualities of movements, right? Now, the byproduct of changing the qualities of movements is these movements then have a resonance with the organs. So what happens is if the, the raising qi is not too much, it starts to settle a little bit, then they will actually um, tonify the liver, the, the organ associated um, with the element of wood, you know, with that direction of movement. Um, on the same time, because it goes down, it will actually not overact upon the spleen, so it actually helps the digestive system too. But it, all of these are sort of elemental relationships. But ultimately, like, if the chi is expanding too much, there's too much heat to the heart. So what happens is all the, this starts to come in, and as the expansion is harmonized, it's not too much, uh, then the heart can cool down. If there's not enough expansion, we encourage more expansion. Open the body up, because then that will harmonize the chi, it will tonify the chi and, and of the heart and raise the heart's function. This is what they mean by the five chi, right? So at your root of practice, you have the five movements of chi. The byproduct of changing the five movements of chi is the organs improve. The byproduct of improving the organs is the channel system opens. So there's a few other stages in between, but at the end of the causation chain are the channels. So you don't directly work with the channels, that's the, that's the branches of the tree. You work with the roots of the tree, which are the five chi uh, that you're trying to, the five movements of chi that you're trying to harmonize. And this is the first basis of qigong. Can we get expansion, contraction, sinking, raising, and dividing harmonized um, in the right way? You know, that's, that's the basis of, of health, uh, according to the classical teachings. Overall qualities, elemental qualities of the chinas in the body. The next one, so this is the first medicine, um, harmonious uh, qi. Second one, uh, still mind. So stillness, stillness of the mind, right? So ultimately what they mean by stillness of the mind is an ability to uh, settle the activity of your brain back to a, a more sort of harmonized state, right? So the idea is that Every time you have a thought, there's a generated uh, movement within the center of the mind. Um, and I've talked about this a lot elsewhere, so I don't want to go into it too much. You know, I don't want to be too repetitious. But what happens is that movement is generated within the space of stillness, and that becomes a thought. When that thought is fed with chi, your intention, your awareness, that becomes a thought stream. These are kind of the alchemical energetics of, of thinking, according to Taoism. So the idea is that, that these thoughts are more active because the chi is disharmonious within your body. So... That's written within many classics, but do we mean you have more thoughts because you have more chi in your lung channel? No, that's not what we mean, actually. It doesn't, because there's a lot of energy here, it doesn't mean you're going to think more because your thumb's got more chi. It doesn't mean that. It's talking again about the five overall qualities of chi. So if you have a lot of raising energy, for example, related to the element of wood, 
It's going to stimulate everything in your body associated with the element of wood, including frustration and annoyance. So, because that's the emotion associated with wood. So what happens is when a thought is produced, you have one of the fuels for the thought, in this case, wood fuel, if you like, um, which is the, the uprising chi, feeds that thought and puts a sort of tinge of annoyance onto it to create an angry thought stream. If there's a lot of contracting chi within the body, that becomes the fuel for the thought. And then what happens is I get a sort of grief-stricken uh, thought process. And what happens is your thoughts are the seeds of thought within the mind are fed by the various uh, fuels of the five chi, the five elements, to give you characteristics to your thought processes. Now, obviously, you have the ability for more than five emotions. These are like broad spectrums. So within the uprising of wood, there is anger, frustration, jealousy, annoyance, judgmentalism, I don't know, all sorts of things. Like There's a whole spectrum of emotions, right? And what happens is, generally, um, as we switch between these five qualities of chi, according to what we're thinking, what we're doing, how we are, general quality of life, you know, lockdown, not lockdown, stress levels, I don't know, whatever, these different types of chi feed the seeds of thought to create distortions, and then none of the thoughts are pure because they're already fed by one of the emotional qualities of chi, one of the five elements, so you have these characteristic sort of thought patterns and then the more distorted you get if you're more leaning towards one of the movements of chi than the others that like most people are say i'm more woody then generally what will happen is i'll tend to experience more of those thoughts from the, the process of anger than, than anything else and then i become an angry dickhead basically um, so what happens is the first medicine is to the first of the five medicines is for harmonious chi so what happens is you try to balance those movements the idea is that the more balanced, they never become perfect, would they? Because if you become perfect, you don't have a personality, and then you become boring. But the, they never get. But the more harmonious they become, the more balanced, the less they will feed the thoughts. So gradually, what happens is your mind grows still. Yeah, it will grow still because there is less fuel to feed the thoughts. So what happens is a seed is produced. There's not really a really strong emotional connection to it, so it's not fed to a great degree. So it kind of fizzles out, you know. And the result is that gradually your mind returns to. Um, quietude, something like this. The third medicine is um, tranquil nature. Yeah, so your nature is your shing. And in sometimes you'll see people translate the shing as um, something uh, sort of very high and spiritual. And okay, yeah, at its most evolved levels it is. But at a more basic level, it's your nature. So you have your personality. Maybe we could say your personality is generated uh, by thoughts and your biases, your preference, your reactions to things, um, your experiences your social programming, if you want, whatever it is, all these things, right? But then underneath that, underneath your personality, you have your nature. So you can have, maybe your nature is a little bit more innate, you know, it's a little bit more um, uh, you know, congenital, it's there, you're born, maybe you could say this is nature, well, nature, using the term, nature rather than nurture, you know, and your personality is overlaid upon this. So the movements of your mind create the personality that almost serve as like a, a lens through which your nature is expressed. So if my nature is to be competitive, or my nature is to be compassionate, my nature is to be loving, whatever it is, this will sit underneath my personality and shine through. And then what you get is like two different colored bits of glass. I put them together and shine a light through, and a new color is produced because these two colors are mixed. Red lens, blue lens, blue lens is my nature, red lens is my emotional personality at this time, the light of awareness is shining through it, what do I get? Purple. What a great example. Pull that out the air, that's a spiritual colour, look at that. So that's what you get, the expression of your mental action via the lens of your nature and your, and your personality, your mind. So what they say is when the mind stills, which is the second medicine, then gradually what happens is one of the lenses is taken out and then that gives you more access to your nature. So then your nature starts to become more tranquil. Your shing starts to harmonize. So maybe we could say that your um, mind, the second stage is your shin, your shin, X-I-N, shin in pinyin. Your nature is your shing. Yes, I know, Chinese, too many of the words are similar. Shing, X-I-N-G, right? And this will start to harmonize and become tranquil uh, because your mind grows still. It grows, um, it actually, they always divide everything up, don't they? So tranquil nature is divided into three stages. See, I said this was a simple approach to health. <laughs> three stages. The first one is called light. Not light as in, you know, a lamp. Light as in ethereal, floaty. Yeah, light. The second one um, is called something else. Quiet. The second one is called um, quiet. Yeah, so light, quiet. 
And the third one is called content. Light, quiet, content. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So we have three stages. So just like harmonious chi had five stages, um, a tranquil nature has three stages. Five represents transformation, so the chi must go through a transformation process. Three represents the number of yang or heaven or consciousness. So as the nature becomes tranquil, three, number three, three stages of this process is showing us that actually your consciousness is changed on a very, very profound level, more profound than the harmonious chi. So the light, your nature must become light. Not shining light, like I said, but light and ethereal. The idea is that something will attach to your nature if it's dense and heavy. You know? So if um, an emotional experience or a thought had um, form, maybe something like that, if it had form, it would be heavy, wouldn't it? So maybe someone's told you that they've accidentally run over your cat three times. Went over it once, reversed over it, still wasn't dead, finished it off, cat's dead. Here they come, present you the cat. What happens when you see that? Oh my God, the kitten's flat. Just like a, like a sinking down inside. And I'm sure you can think of some equally traumatic as thing as poor Tabby getting run over that's happened in your life that's created like a, like, a, like a pit in the stomach, you know? And okay, that's a physical feeling. It's a somatic response to something. But it, it's my way of trying to explain to you that, that it has a weight to it, you know, it's a heaviness. Now, if the nature is heavy, yeah, what it means is when you experience these things that have a density to them, they attach to it, so the nature becomes more distorted. So your shing moves out of harmony with sort of a central state, you know, Tao, whatever. But if the, the experiences are light, ethereal, it's like they disperse on you, you know, bah, they just bah, like spread, like so much bah, fairy dust, just bah, exploded when it hits me, or something like that. It doesn't stick to me. So if you imagine, like, here comes a negative emotion, it's heavy, it's stuck. Here comes a negative emotion, but my nature is light. Ah, okay, it just disperses because it doesn't have any weight, no density. So the idea is your nature wants to have this. The density, of, the lack of density of your nature, the lightness of your nature, leads it to become quiet. And when it is quiet, it means it's not disturbed all the time. It's not shifting according to, once again, more elemental imbalances. And then when it starts from quiet, it becomes content. And ultimately, contentment of the nature was something that was sought within um, many of the Eastern traditions, Taoism, Chan Buddhism, especially with regards to how you approach life. You weren't supposed to enjoy life, you know, like, I love life, because if you love life, then something else will happen on the other end, and then you end up becoming pissed off with life, because everything has its polar opposite. A candle can't burn too brightly before it burns out, and all these things. So generally what they want was contentment, because contentment was like a more sort of, not flatline, because that sounds boring, doesn't it? But a more stable, bubbling along sort of joy, contentment. I'm just content, you know? How's this, how's this beautiful thing? I'm very content with that. How's this awful event? Kind of content with that. How's this smelly person? Content with that. Sounds, you know? That's the contentment, so that you don't have major disturbances that lead you away from quietude, uh, that then create a lack of lightness in the nature so that things stick to you. This is what they were trying to get. Right, that's complicated, isn't it? Sorry. Hmm. So, medicine one, okay, harmonious chi. Yeah. Get the five chi harmonized. Medicine two, um, stillness of the mind, yeah, that results because of the harmonious chi. Stillness of mind. So the harmonious chi leads to the mind. Uh, number three, um, a tranquil nature. The tranquil nature starts to arise when it becomes light, quiet, and content. And that happens as a byproduct of the stilling of the mind. Yeah, so... Uh, these are the first three. Okay, number four, forgotten emotions. The fourth medicine is forgotten emotions. So um, sometimes people talk about um, like forgetting the emotions, or makes it sound like it's very negative, doesn't it? But actually, it's a little bit difficult translating uh, Chinese to English because the term is zhuang, meaning to sit and forget. They translate it as, but uh, the character for wang actually shows um, the mind. Uh, the heart, the shin, actually being lost underneath the ground. It's like it's buried or, or, or it's going under, right? But what they're implying is the ground represents um, form and out of form something is growing within the character. So what happens is your emotions start to settle to the back and then the growth of form of mind that comes out of this is considered more profound, more pure. The idea being that the emotional uh, disturbances within you are, are preventing the pureness of your, of your mind, of your thoughts, right? So... This one, again, is a byproduct of the others. So what happens is, as your chi becomes harmonious and your mind becomes still and your nature becomes tranquil, then the emotional disturbances start to become forgotten, meaning that they're fading into the background so that 
now instead of seeing through the deluded lens of your emotional fuck-ups, you're seeing through the purity of a tranquil nature that leads to contentment. This is the fourth medicine. And then the fifth medicine, the final one of the Wu Yao, which I'm fitting in rather quickly, rather happy at that, um, is that the spirits uh, start to move into harmony. So the Wu Shen, which is your Shen, your Hun, your Po, your Zhe, and your Yi, in the wrong order, but the five spirits, if you know anything about Chinese medicine, you know the five spirits are vitally important to understanding psychology within Chinese medicine. The five spirits then move into harmony. So the five spirits, um, you could talk about them all day, for many days. They're very, very complicated. But essentially they're a model of um, refraction of confusion within the mind. And some people don't like that because you read a Chinese medicine book and they talk about the five spirits as if they're a very high-minded thing. The Shen, you know, the, the mystical spirit that connects to the divine and the Hun, that is the yang soul that is involved in transmigration, then the Po, the yin soul, involved in transience and an understanding of corporeality and a somatic feedback to the outside world. What else you got? You got the jur, the willpower that's a harmonized balance between your own personal will, the will of karma, the will of heaven. How do you relate to these things? Do you flow with the will of heaven or do you fight back and go, fuck you, heaven, and generate more karma? There's all sorts of things around the jur, very complicated. And then you've got the yi, the activity of the mind. What is the mental expression of the experience of all of these other spirits led by the divine and the soul and the path through life? These are the yi, right? So don't they all sound really high-minded? Well, they do. But they're not. And the reason they're not, the five spirits, is because essentially there's five of them. <laughs> and if there's five, what it's showing is a process that's actually in transformation, in flux. Remember the number five is chosen liberally because it shows a, a, a process of generation and then a process of control if you understand the five element models. So the five spirits are in this war with each other all the time to harmonize, but they can't quite do it. It's at any one time the soul is dominant and then the spirit is dominant and the willpower is dominant. The yi is rarely dominant in most people if you've ever met the general public. But all of these spirits are in action like this all the time. If they are in flux, if they are in motion, then they are still a form of delusion, you know? They're still lower. <laughs> this is one of the key teachings of the spiritual tradition. So in Chinese medicine, when we talk about the five spirits being very high, it's actually an error. What is high is when the five spirits reconvene and converge. And when they converge, they form into one light. And that light is known as ba -ba -ba, the Yuan Shen, the original spirit, the true spirit. What we might um, equate with maybe the borderline between Atman and Brahmin within sort of uh, Hindu teachings when people can touch upon that spiritual state. And that spiritual state leads to the light that is the, the true thing that is sought out within sort of Eastern spiritual cultivation arts. Now, if you want to understand how the five lights work, think of it like the um, Pink Floyd album, Dark Side of the Moon. Have you ever seen that album? Have you ever heard that album? It's disturbing, but very, very um, brilliant album. I won't get into that. But on the cover, what they had, very sort of... Um, sort of a culturally prominent album, isn't it? You see it on T-shirts everywhere from people who've never listened to Pink Floyd in their life. But what they've got is a crystal, a prism, haven't they? Like a pyramid made of glass and a white light hitting it. And then what happens is a white light fragments into the, the colors of the rainbow. Think of your spirit like this. Like the white light is Yuan Shen, okay? The, the, the prism on the front of the dark side of the moon album represents the distortions of your mind, of the perceptions of mind. And then the refracted lights creates the five spirits the five elements, red, green, yellow, blue, and duller white, I suppose, you know, the, the elemental colors. So Yuan Shen is refracted through the crystal to create these lights, right? Now, only when these five lights are reversed, which is a very Taoist term, do they go back through the crystal, through the, the, the prism of delusion, to reconverge into the white light. And any spiritual tradition has always favored the white light as an important part of the process, whether it's to use as an Amita access into a higher state, or, or an experience that is found at the center of the mind in Chan and stuff like that, or, or the alchemical pill, the white moon on the mountain peak. Um, I think there's a book called that. don't know who wrote that, but it's a good title. The white light that converges is known as a sort of highly spiritual state, right? This is or, or the, mm, the bridge into a highly spiritual state. How's that? So the five spirits are still a movement, um, so there's still a state of delusion, and only when they harmonize do they come together to create the white light. Um, of Yuan Shen. Now, what's I got to do with medicine? Basically, the view is in Qigong, and same in Chinese medicine, that the majority of illness is rooted in the spirit. Okay, so, if I'm walking along 
the road and I fall down an open manhole cover and break both my legs. You could argue that wasn't rooted in the spirit, apart from maybe a lack of perception because I should have seen the, the hole in front of me, I guess. Or maybe you could argue that the juror had disturbed karma, if you want to get really abstract. But I'm just presuming on a basic level that if you fall over and injure yourself, we're talking about a trauma injury, that's a bit different. But a lot of actual imbalance is produced from the inside, um, from the state of your mind, from the, the quality of the spirits. Okay, viruses, COVID, oh, it's invading me and eating my lungs or whatever it's doing. Is that to do with your spirit? No, not really. You could argue that the immune system is affected by the quality of your mind and maybe there's a, a sort of strength to fight or so. I don't know, you could argue it. But generally, again, we're talking about something that's invading the body. But is that the majority of wellness? No, because a lot of people could say, I'd say, are you sick? If I asked a lot of the general public and they go, no. But actually, from a Chinese medicine perspective or a Taoist perspective, a Chinese mindset, they're not healthy. You know, they ain't healthy. They don't know they're sick because they don't have a label on it and they haven't had something invade their lungs. Um, but the quality of their mind is making them either too flaccid or overweight or addicted to this or unhappy. Like, we all know that psychology is the root of many of the diseases. And in Qigong, the five spirits not being refracted into this white light was the, the reason for uh, most internally based imbalance, right? So, how do we tackle the internally based imbalance? Well, we do it by following the causation chain of the five cures. Harmonize the chi, still the mind. Um, make the nature tranquil. Um, what's the next one? Let the emotions fade away. Uh, forget the emotions, right? And this results in the spirits moving into harmony. What do we do? Do we try to harmonize? What does that mean? Do we harmonize the spirits? No, not really. How do you do that? Meditation, I suppose, but through Qigong we don't harmonize the spirits, no. Do we forget the emotions or let them fade away? No, don't do that, that's too complicated. Emotions are sticky things that stick to you. That sounds tricky. Do we still the mind, uh, do we make the nature tranquil? Well, we can try, but that's a bit tricky. Do we still the mind? Not really, not in Qigong, it's not what we do. What do we do? We harmonize the Qi, that's it, right? We harmonize the Qi, why? Because it's not a list of five, it's a list of five stages in a causation chain. How do I know it's a list of five stages in a causation chain? Because there's five of them. <laughs> if there's five, the number five represents a cyclical relationship that's unfolding um, all of the time, right? So what have we got? Harmonious Qi, step one. That's what we work with, and this is where Qigong comes from, the skill of building your Qi, because your skill of harmonizing the five Qi inside. Okay, five meaning the transformational movements, and then the result of this is all of these other processes unfold. You know, so we still the chi and blah blah blah. The last one being to um, harmonize the spirits. It's a cycle, right? Moving a cycle. So if the spirits are harmonized, the chi actually becomes more um, harmonized as well, harmonious. So the spirits guide the chi. If the spirits are out of sync, whack, they're all over the place, then the chi is disharmonious. They lack harmony. This is the cycle that's taking place within the medicines, the Wu Yao, the Shan Yao, the Immortal Medicine. This is what we're trying to change. This is the reason why Qigong harmonizes your Qi. It's also the reason why it doesn't work the channels or it doesn't work the organs. If you know anything about Chinese medicine, what you know is there's um, uh, correlation tables, not causation stations, correlation tables for each of the elements. So if you take wood, for example, you'll get wood, green, liver, um, hun, the yang soul, you'll get the gallbladder, you get the tendons, you get all these things, right? Now, all of these things are largely affected by the quality of the qi and the quality of the spirit. So if I harmonize the qi, if this causation chain of um, uh, you know, uh, qi, mind, nature, <laughs> forgotten emotions, and harmonized spirits all starts to unfold, then what will happen is there will be a harmonization of all those things within the correlative table of the element of wood. So the tendons will improve. The, the blood will improve because of the relationship to the liver, the, the liver stores of blood, and the smoothness of qi will change because the liver smooths the free flow of qi, and, and you'll, you'll sleep better, and you have less wild dreams because the hum will start to calm, and all of these things will unfold, but they all come from the first part, harmonious qi, harmonious qi. Now, I will have a drink. Now that I've explained the five medicines to you. Mm. I'm sorry, this is my... Uh, by the way, this is my, one of my training rooms. In the house, I have a few training spaces dotted around. And uh, I have one training space uh, that I used in the last video that's a shrine room where I do all of the sort of uh, spiritual work when I get really hippie-ish, you know, and I want to connect the deities and weird stuff like that. And I got the shrine room, and that's all very beautiful and full of artifacts given to me very uh, graciously by 
very high up spiritual practitioners. So it's a room full of spiritual lineage items and stuff like that. Very cool. Then I got my second training room, which is a large hall um, that you might have seen appearing in some videos or something if you follow Lotus Negon. Big enough for like 20, 25 people and I teach in it. It's more like a normal martial arts a dojo or kun or something like that. Then I got this room. This, this is because I wanted a trainer room that felt like a pub or something, you know, so you can't see the whole room, but it's essentially I wanted that sort of pub vibe because even though I'm really interested in the spiritual arts, um, I'm still an arsehole Englishman, so something had to feel like a, a pub in order for me to be happy. So welcome to my third training space if I just want to forget everything Chinese while I'm training, which happens sometimes because there's only so many calligraphy pieces and guqins and oh, look at this wheel of oolong tea and a waving cat and sometimes you've had enough of that and you just want to train in a pub so that's this room anyway um so yeah welcome to my pub like room full of all my favorite things you know sort of led zeppelin big trouble in little china outrageous cars you know great everything i want i like this room you can't meditate in it though it's all wrong so we got the uh five medicines and i want to talk about something else that's the wu yao right i want to talk about the wu yun wu, wu yun the Wu Yun, or the five, um, how do you translate the five, Wu Yun? The five methods of collection, if you like. The five methods of um, gathering, gathering information from the outside. So the idea is that when you're, you interact with your sense faculties with the outside world, you draw information in, and your senses pull all this stuff in. And, and, and five senses are your vision, your touch, your smell, your taste, and your hearing, that's the one, isn't it? I knew there was another one. These are your five senses, and then your sixth sense is not your intuition, it's your thoughts. So if the sense faculties don't draw something in from the outside, your thoughts will give you a form of stimulation from the inside. These are the sense faculties. Now what happens is that um, these thoughts, these movements of mind, these stimulations go through something called the Wu Yin, the five Wu Yun, Y-U-N, five stages of uh, collection, right? The first one of these is five again, right? So a process, process unfolds. So one leads to next is a causation chain um, of evolution, of interaction between your awareness and a form of mental stimulation. Yeah. First one is appearance, the way something looks. So, okay, that implies we only use our vision, but it's not just that, it's, it's the presentation of form. So if I feel something, uh, that can be the presentation of form. If I hear something, that's the form of sound. You know, it still has an appearance to me, it has a form. Um, if I smell something, it still has a form, if you know what I mean. Like it has a, something we can identify as individuated from something else. Now, of course, Eastern traditions tells that largely this individuation, individuation of things, the separateness of the light from the universal spirit of love or whatever is an illusion, is a delusion, but still it's the separateness that creates the sort, the appearance that is the first of the five collections. So the first thing that happens is my sense faculties will collect one of the, one of the so one of the appearances that, that is going to be able to generate a reaction within my awareness. If the sense faculties don't, then the appearance of form of a thought will be generated um, instead. The appearance of form, a form, an identified thought. If it's identifiable, it is named. According to the Tao Te Ching, if it's named, it's not the real thing, because ultimately what it's telling you is something can be named, if something can be identified, if something has a form, then what it means is it has an appearance. So the first of the five collection processes, the Wu Yun, has been stimulated. Wu Yun, sorry. So you're already down the path of delusion. Sidetracking, the first line of the Tao Te Ching, you know, when they talk about something have a name, something have a form, they don't mean that if you can explain Taoism, it's not the real Taoism. Oh my God, I've seen that in so many commentaries. The name, the community named, is not the real name. Uh, so what they mean is, don't explain anything to anyone. Taoism, if you, you can explain Taoism, it's not the real Taoism. I tell you what, this is my reaction to such thought processes. Fuck off, seriously. Don't be so stupid, use your brain. If something can be named, it can be identified. It can be given a form, it has an appearance. Once it has an appearance, watch it as a name, then it is separated from everything else. So it is individuated. Once it's individuated, it becomes a form of delusion because your sense faculties will start to decipher the, the appearance, the name of said item, and this will generate a form, thought form that will lead you further from the profoundness of this state they understand to mean Tao. I apologize for getting so worked up. I will climb down from my self-righteous soapbox, but come on, some stupid commentaries out there for the Tao Te Ching. People shouldn't write commentaries for the Tao Te Ching. 
unless they actually understand Taoism, in my opinion, anyway. So what happens is a sort of an appearance arises, because everyone gets lost and gets confused. The next thing you know, you think Taoism's all about you know, not doing anything, not identifying, not learning, forget everything you learned, because that's not Taoist, shut up, that's not true, forget that, that's not Taoist, and swing a weight off your testicles, because that'll definitely build your, I don't know what people do with Taoism, people. So, the first one, Su, appearance. The next thing that arises is Shu, the reception, the receiving of the appearance. And this is the interaction of the sense faculties or your awareness and the sense faculties, the awareness, the observer and the sense faculties with the appearance, the form, the Su, that is the first um, of the five collection processes. So collection process one is the appearance of something, collection process two is the reception of something. Okay, starts to be received. The sense faculties are drawing it into your mind. The illusion of the appearance is going into the center of the mind to be received. Third one is the xiang, okay, the wanting. Okay? So I want to interact with the appearance. Do I? Maybe. The opposite of wanting, to not want, okay, so repulsion, okay, aversion as opposed to attraction, would still be um, included within wanting. Okay, there is one or the other. I either want something or I'm, aver or I'm averse to something. Both of these are a form of attachment that is starting to form because of the receiving of the form, the appearance, the appearance of Su. So when I see the appearance and then there's a reception, a receiving of the appearance, there is a wanting or a not wanting. It doesn't matter. The Su, the Shu, the Shang, they start to arise. These are the first of the three collections. The next one is Xing or preference. Preference is largely based upon bias. So, we do have free will with regards to our actions, unless you are someone who is very desire-driven, you know, and a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the Eastern arts are about trying to overcome desires. Why they overcome desires? It's not really so that you're a better person, um, because I know if I desire something that is very, um, you know, what do you call it, ethically bad, fair enough, I want, to, I want to, I desire touching that woman that's not mine, even though she's with a boyfriend or, and I don't care, that desire is, that's no good, that needs overcoming, that's a very base desire, that's problematic, it's not good to society, it's not, you know, respectful to other people or whatever. But at the same time, if you desire to eat that marshmallow, it's not the end of the world, is it? You know, so clearly not all desires are about ethics, unless you kill someone for the marshmallow, but not overcoming all desires are not about morality. They're actually about, um, to a large degree, about developing free will. Because if you do not operate according to your desires, you operate, operate according to something else. You have a certain degree of free will. It's arguable how much free will you ever have within the Eastern arts, but you certainly have more um, free will, more personal choice if you're not desire-driven. I've known some people, actually, that were amazingly good uh, within the arts, technically proficient, mechanical, very good. They can move the chi, they can mobilize it but they never get anywhere spiritually because they were too desire-driven. And because they were too desire-driven, they never developed any free will. So ultimately what happens is when you don't have free will, you actually deplete the jure, an aspect of your spirit. And if you deplete the jure, the kidneys start to bottom out and then your process can't get anywhere. You certainly can't harmonize the spirits if the jure is still being um, led by your personal desires. So there is an aspect of free will that has to be developed because that free will then helps the spirits harmonize. Now the other aspect to this is how much free will do you have with regards to your preference? The answer is none. You have no free will with regards to your preference. You might have free will by overcoming desires so you can choose your actions, but you don't have any free will with regards to your preferences because a preference decision is made when you see something. It's like if I have this piece of food, a Brussels sprout, I can't stand Brussels sprouts. And there's no, if you like, there's no one in their right mind likes Brussels sprouts today, but here's a Brussels sprout. It's not this big, it's small in it little desert cabbage, right? And uh, here's a Brussels sprout. I'm going to eat the Brussels sprout because it's good for me. Some fucker told me it was. So I eat the Brussels sprout, it's good for me. That's my free will. But what I didn't have any free will over was I didn't like that Brussels sprout. Okay, my preference was already there. I was like, no, I don't like those things. Now, this happens with food. That's an easy example, but it happens with everything. You have bias and preference towards um, every experience you've ever had. And some of those desires, those preferences are already built in. Like, this lamp terrifies me because once when I was a baby, a lamp fell on me and set fire to my hair or something like that. So I already have a learned behavior, mental behavioral pattern attached to that light that builds up a form of preference. And, and you have these all sorts of degrees of subtlety, but attached to all sorts of experiences. So what happens when you have the five processes of collection? 
initially have the appearance and then the receiving of the appearance. There's the wanting or the desire or the aversion that leads to a complex um, set of understandings of preference based upon prior learning and bias and trauma and all of these things. And then the result of that is the fifth process of collection of yun appears, which is jur, which is storing. So then it is stored within the body or stored within the mind, stored within the center of the being. Okay. Si, appearance. Shu, reception. Shang, wanting. Xing, preference. Jiu, storing. These are the processes involved in the receiving of mental information from the outside or from your own mind, the stimulation of your own mind. Each of these processes, these five yuan, then what they start to do is they start to unfold cyclically until what happens when something is jiu, stored, even though it's the end of the five-stage process, because it's a cycle, it affects the first one, si, appearance. So the more that something is stored, the more it changes your ability to perceive the si, appearance of something accurately. Why is that? I mean, you would have thought you could see something. I can see this lamp. I can see this um, plant. I can see this rather dashing fellow in a... Oh, it's crooked, isn't it? That's going to disturb the OCD people. Apologies to the OCD people. Just go and shut the door three times on your way out and you'll be happy enough. Sorry about that. But, you know, I can see these things and, and I still see the accuracy of these things. Um, if someone said something, I still hear the sound. But my reaction to it is the distortion, is the distortion of the appearance. Um, because if I see something and then that generates this whole process of the five collections, including the wanting and the preference, the shang and the xing, within the center of my being, then I'm not reacting to it honestly. So I'm already distorting the information coming in. So we say that now what we have is a delusional reception of something because my biases and my preferences are already there. The more that something is stored, related to the water element actually, um, if we were to link these to the five elements, uh, then the more that distortion is within me because more layers are built up because I've stored more so that then when I receive the appearance, it's more distorted. So gradually over time, these distortions get more and more and more. The result of this is that the spirits move out of harmony. Okay? The various parts of your consciousness, of your mind, become more divided, more schizophrenic in a way, in the way they relate to each other, because they're not that harmonized Yanshen state. Because of this, you will tend to see things through your emotional lenses and your preference lenses and your bias lenses or whatever they are, these programmings that come from the center of your spirit, so that you cannot see things for how they are. And this creates delusion. And delusion, because you're not seeing things for truth, is the root of sickness. If delusion is the root of sickness, this is what is arising that is causing sickness within the body. This was the Eastern definition of sickness, to live in a state of delusion. How do we change the state of delusion? The five cures, Wu Yao. Okay, and what is the first of the Wu Yao? Harmonize the Qi. What is the Qi? It's the five movements within the body. Okay, what are the five movements? Is my chi raising enough in the correct way? Not too much, so it stresses me out, fires up the nervous system if you want to get all western with it, gives me headaches. Okay, it's rising enough. Is it expanding enough? Not too much, you know, because I don't want everything to get overexcited and pump the blood fast and everything like that. But is it expanding enough that I got this nice sort of movement of energy in the body? Yeah, okay, that's cool. Next one. Is it dividing and transforming enough? The earth element. You know, the element of earth is all about transforming and transporting within Chinese medicine, the conversion of substances within the body. And this happens when this movement of qi divides properly within us, you know, this earth element qi transformation. Uh, what happens after that? Okay, contraction, the opposite of expansion, is the metal element qi slowly drawing in. Is there enough of a consolidation of this energy? I hope so, that's what I need. Too much and everything starts to stagnate and lock too little. Uh, and actually, I can't get my breath, actually. I feel a bit uprooted. I feel a little bit like everything's not bound enough, you know, a little bit sort of, um, what do you call that, a bit transient, you know, or something. Um, and is the chi sinking enough? Mm, that's an important one. Because the sinking of the chi is probably the one that's weakest in the majority of people, because uh, the wood element chi always wants to raise everything, that's often the one we focus on. So often when you hear people talk about Sink in the chi, sink in the chi, sink in the chi. Well, they may have a reason for it to get the chi to the dantian or for tai chi to get the inside, tai chi trying to get the inside of the body doing what it needs to do. Um, that's true, but ultimately, from a medical perspective, it's one of the sinking of chi is one of the movements of chi that leads to the early stages of harmonizing the chi uh, to take you through this process of converting the body. <sighs> Sorry, there was a lot of rambling in that. But ultimately, what I'm trying to talk about today in my pub-like training space 
um, is that you, are, if you want to understand Qigong traditionally or classically, authentically, as, as it was designed in the beginning, these are the kinds of things you should see in those lists of what can Qigong do for you? How can Qigong help you? It will stop the elderly falling over. That one always comes up. They're always studying elderly people falling over. And I just, I don't know how they do it. I just got this vision of these people going, old people doing Qigong and some sort of scientist in a lab coat comes and pushes them over one at a time to check their stability or something. Seems a bit mean to me. God, Ethel's on the floor again. But it's, um, yeah, it's an odd one. But I mean, if it helps old people not fall over, that's brilliant, great. That's, you know, old people falling over, it's not good, is it? You know, but you always see that one, don't you? And uh, helps with migraines, helps with your sleep, helps with the lymphatic, all of those things. Wonderful, marvellous, great. I hope it does all that. But actually, if you're after traditional Qigong, what it should say is it harmonizes the qi, it stills the mind, makes your nature tranquil, helps you forget your emotions, and it um, harmonizes the five spirits. And this is what you should see listed next to it, the Wu Yao. And the basis of this is a harmonization of qi. Um, and this is where the mechanics come from in most, most Qigong exercises. Not all, because there's exceptions, isn't there? There's modernizations as well, where people didn't understand this as well. Um, and not, not all Qigong follow that, but the majority of authentic Qigong that was designed to lead to a better state of health, harmonize spirit, which will ultimately help you find a higher spiritual state, was to harmonize these five qi. This is why you see this written in so many... And that's not 5G, by the way. Apparently that's bad for you. 5G, not 5G. Apparently that will... Um, what does that do? That kills you, gives you tumours and ends the human race. Don't I don't know about this 5G stuff, you know. I'm not sure. I hear all this bad stuff about it. I'm hoping it's wrong. <laughs> Otherwise we're all doomed. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I don't mean 5G. We harmonise the 5G um, within the body. And this is why you see in alchemy text so much that phrase, return the 5G to their origin or combine the 5G. Or sometimes you have models for it, don't they? Like fire and water must mix, metal and um, wood or dragon and tiger, they call it, must copulate, and, and the earth element must center. These are the five chi they're talking about, need to harmonize. It's not the organs, definitely not. It's not the channel system, we're not talking about They're talking about these five qualities overall within the body. So hopefully I've made that as clear as mud. Just thought I'd come down here for podcast three. Still on my own, because I'm still in isolation from the rest of the world, like the rest of the world, really, aren't we? We're all on lockdown, so I can't have any friends in the podcast. So I sit here on my own talking to you, talking to a camera and a bit of wall and what have you, but ah, that's all right. I would get um, people to come on, you know, and chat on over Skype and oh, I just don't like all that. I'm more of a face-to-face guy for conversation. I couldn't do that. Um, so yeah, it's just me on my own for the time being. Thanks very much.